Good morning. So for those of you who don't know me, my name's Taylor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Living Hope. And my wife, Angel, and I, are we're just really grateful to be able to call this body our family and to live life with y'all, and just super grateful for that. A couple Sundays back, Josh had spent some time talking about suffering, and this summer he's walked through you know, some of the tougher or harder parts of some of our Old Testament narratives. And this morning, I'd like to just spend some our time together talking about the reality of God in the midst of suffering, and really to talk about that from the perspective of wisdom and our role in it as followers of Jesus. And as we look at it this morning from the perspective of wisdom, please know I'm not overlooking the difficulty of suffering, even though we really won't talk about that a whole lot. That, that's a different sermon, and it's the one Josh did a couple of weeks back. So you can find, you know, on the Fairy Furnace, Daniel 3, the second half of it, you, you can listen to that on the podcast. My goal this morning is really to help equip us for when we encounter suffering. And normally our first reaction, obviously, to suffering is we ask the question, why? And whether we realize it or not, that question, why, is a justice question. We're wanting to know why the world is the way it is. And as we read and study the Bible, we're going to see, like, we're going to see that the wisdom in the Bible, it actually invites us to ask a different question. And the question is not why is there suffering in the world, but what to do when we encounter it, and then actually doing it. So what to do is a wisdom response. Remember, why is a justice response, and what is a wisdom response? And we're going to look at this wisdom response through a poem in the middle of Job, the book of Job, chapter 28. So you can go ahead and turn there and go there in your Bible, and you'll be able to stay there the whole time. I'm going to read through the whole text, and then we'll come back and go through it. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth, and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air, far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As far as the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eyes has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it, the lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eyes see every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. But where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me, and the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir and precious onyx or sapphire. 
Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the end of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. So here in Job 28, this poem is, it's actually referred to as the wisdom hymn of the Bible. And it sits right in the middle of the book of Job as an interlude. It's a break in the action of the book. And it shifts the whole book from that search of why, why, the why question of Job's suffering, which in chapter one and two of the book of Job, it sets that up. And then all the way through the next 25 chapters of the book, Job and his three friends, they, they actually go through three different cycles of dialogue, arguing back and forth, trying to answer the why. And when you get to the end of chapter 27, after they've done this three different times, back and forth, they still haven't found an answer. And then from here in 28, the poem we just read, to the end of the book of Job, the search shifts towards a search for wisdom. The what question, what to do when we encounter suffering. So let's look back at the poem in chapter 28 and kind of go through it a few verses at a time. In verses 1 through 11, it, it has all this talk about you know, this awe and this wonder of mining. And what it's pointing out is that while mining has brought forth all these rare and precious materials that has served for the means of their technology serve for the means of their production of art, serve for their accumulation of wealth, none of mankind's accomplishments have led to the discovery of the kind of wisdom that God has used to make and run the world. So let's look at verse 12, the first of our our questions regarding wisdom. But where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? And in verses 13 through 19, they go to show that it cannot be found in the land of the living, nor in the deep, nor in the sea, and also that it cannot be bought with any of the precious gems and minerals that are mined out of the earth. All right, now in verse 20, the question changes from the one we find in verse 12. Let me read verse 20. From where then does wisdom come, and where is the place of understanding? And the poet here is saying, if we cannot find wisdom, the question of verse 12, nor purchase it, which is verses 13 through 19, then where does it come from? Let's keep going, reading verses 20 through 22. From where then does wisdom come, and where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living, and concealed from the birds of the air. (laughs) 
Abaddon and Death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. So this still leaves us kind of searching. If wisdom is not found in the land of the living, and destruction and death have, not, have only heard rumors of it, then where does wisdom come from? And as we move to verses 23 through 27, we'll start to get our answer. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. So verses 20 through 27, they're declaring that God alone has wisdom, that God knows both the path to wisdom and where wisdom dwells. It is God who is the creator of the ends of the earth. It's God who laid the foundation of the entire cosmos. And he did that based on causes from within him. And he continues to run our universe, everything, by his wisdom. And another thing from there is the way the world and all of creation runs, it's, it's, it's important for us to know it's not based on what we experienced. That's actually getting the order backwards, which when it comes to suffering is something that's very normal and easy for us to do. So God created all of creation in his wisdom. He's not bound by it nor contingent upon it. And this is a good thing. I think it'll be helpful if we think about wisdom, just the general kind of sense of wisdom. Is it's that which brings order, and it also brings it brings coherence. And, and a lot of times when we encounter suffering, our order and our understanding of how it, it goes together with what we're experiencing is often torn apart. And so we're we're trying to seek a way forward to that order and coherence, even in the midst of suffering. Now, if the whole poem ended there in 27, it would just pretty much leave us hanging on a a whole lot of questions. But, you know, thankfully we have verse 28. So let's look at verse 28 together, and we're going to spend some time in this verse. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Now, before we dig into verse 28, and I've kind of run through the, the whole of 28 a little fast, I want us just to step back and to kind of get our bearings within the whole story, the whole story of the Bible, actually. We've been looking at this poem that just sits right there in the middle of the book of Job. And the book of Job is one book in the Bible that is part of the wisdom books. We also have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and of course, Job. And these three books, the wisdom books, are part of the Old Testament. And then along with the New Testament, all together, it's telling one story. And it's telling one story leading us somewhere. And I think more accurately, it's telling us one story that's leading us to someone. So just if you can keep that big picture in mind, even as we dive back into verse 28, that, that it's a story leading us to someone that would be helpful. Let me read 28 again. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. 
So this whole fear of the Lord thing, that there's our answer. You know, we have our answer. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. And so on the surface, that's, that seems simple enough. But as we dig a little deeper, you know, we need to understand that this wisdom in this verse 28 is what I'm going to call lowercase wisdom or little w wisdom. And it's something we as human beings have access to. And then from the other two books, wisdom books of the Bible, in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Proverbs 9, 10, and Ecclesiastes 12, 13, we don't need to turn there, but those two verses together tell us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning and the end of this type of wisdom. And then again, repeating in Job 28, 28, that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. So we have the beginning of the fear of the Lord. We have Job 28, 28 saying it is wisdom and Ecclesiastes saying it's the end. And all three of these references to wisdom in the Bible are this lowercase w wisdom, the fear of the Lord type of wisdom. And again, a wisdom that we as human beings have access to. So in twenty eight twenty eight, it starts, and he said to man, and I want to just pause there and clear that that word man here in Hebrew is, is Adam, which means humankind. So he's talking to all people here, all of us. And the fear of the Lord, it's just not the type of fear that we normally would think about. It's not the fear that we have in our modern understanding. It's not the fear that we sense when, you know, living, basically we live in a culture of fear. And it, it's not that type. In the Bible, it's fear of the Lord, the, the fear part. It's often defined as, as reverence or awe, and it has a certain weightiness to it. So it, it's, it doesn't have all those negative connotations that might pop into your mind from our culture. And then in a very practical sense, it, fear of the Lord means to take God seriously by trusting him with our circumstances. And what it does for us, it holds us in a place of humility. And at the most basic level, after you work your way through, through, through a lot of what I just said and, and even more, at the most basic level, fear of the Lord, it means to trust God with ourselves and to trust him with the ones we love. So when we hear fear of the Lord, I really want us to hear trusting the Lord. And what this is, this fear of the Lord, again, it's, it's a lowercase wisdom, so the you know, little w. And what it does is it sets us on a path to the uppercase wisdom, the big w wisdom. And that's the kind of wisdom that was mentioned back in verse 12 and 20 the one that's hidden that we can't find. And this kind of wisdom, it can only be revealed to us by God. It's not something we're just going to stumble across, and it's not something that's going to come from with, within ourselves by ourselves. And really, this little case W and, and uppercase W, and not trying to make it confusing, but what that is in the Hebrew, the lowercase W wisdom that's what the, the word wisdom in Hebrew means. And, but if they put a definite article in front of it, and, and that's just in front of the noun, it, it, it actually means the wisdom, and that wisdom's capitalized. And that's, again, back in 20, 12 and 20 is the capital W. In twenty eight twenty eight, it's the, the lowercase w wisdom. So what do we do? The wisdom question. 
how do we do this fear of the Lord thing? How does it work? And especially in the midst of suffering. For most of us, like Job, it'll start with crying out to the Lord, why? And this is, you know, this is okay. In fact, it's really good. The Psalms teach us to do this very thing. The why question, the justice question, is, is just, it's riddled throughout the Psalms. And what that does is, even though the Bible's wisdom is going to lead us to a different question, it, it starts us on the path to that what to do question. It starts us on the path of the wisdom question. And we, we can see this in Job 42, which again, we're not going to turn there. We can see that God praises Job for his honest wrestling. So he praises him for asking why. He praises Job for calling out and wanting to talk to him personally. And God affirms the right way to process through all of this is through prayer in relationship with him. No matter how difficult that might be for us. Now as we move down the path from, you know, why did this happen? Why does suffering happen? And enter into the midst of what to do. You know, as we call out to prayer in God like Job did. What we will discover is that God desires to reveal himself to us. And in this revelation, we will encounter that uppercase wisdom. We will encounter that someone that the Bible is leading us to. And the Bible, I mean, it was in the songs we were just singing. It's what that starts with, the fear of the Lord, trusting God. What trusting God starts with is who God is. And that's a place where I know I, I know all of us, we, we struggle and, and we go back and forth and, and, and our faith, you know, moves as it moves with, with who God is. But the, but the way we know who God is, is by knowing Jesus. Jesus is the one who fully reveals who God is. And we can actually experience this. We can know the reality of it. I've witnessed it in my life through different times and periods where I've either been through something and or have walked through something with people. I know this body has experienced this place, this reality that with Jesus. And actually, over and over, we've experienced this. It's one of the things which we haven't had a brag on Jesus night here yet. We do it in the first of the year. It's one of my favorite things about that because it testifies to this reality. And then I want to say as, as we sit with Jesus, you know, when we encounter suffering, we also encounter the reality of who he is. You'll hear people over and over say, you know, when we're going through something hard or tough, it's, he's more real. He's always more real, but, but their experience of him becomes more real. And so as we sit with him, we start to move from that why question, from seeking an explanation of suffering through cause and effect, through, through the justice question. And we look forward in hope and see the purpose of suffering is not in the suffering itself. It's in the results of, of the suffering. And that is, we see it, you know, again, all through the Bible, when God, he is transforming evil to good. He's taking what's wrong and setting it right. 
And these acts of God, it, he does this in his wisdom. He's setting things right through acts of compassion, through which authentic justice actually comes. So it's not an either-or thing, ever. And really to understand this, I think, clearly and, and most visually and vivid for us, again, like the songs we were singing and will sing, we can just look at the cross to kind of grasp this. So I want to read a few verses just to kind of bring that image of the cross and, and, and some of what it stands and means and how it relates to this. So in Acts 5.30, it says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. And in 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And one more scripture here. This is another poem. And it's the hymn of Christ that we find in Philippians 2. And it's verses 5 through 11. The hymn actually starts in 6, but, but I'm going to read 5 too. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And with that hymn... Just as we look, as we look upon Jesus on the cross, we really should see, we should see the true meaning of who God is. Again, back to that struggle we sometimes have, especially in the midst of suffering. It should show us the vision that, you know, God is a God who is, he's self-giving love, and it's a God we can trust. It's a God who has liberated us from sin, from death, and from the devil, and I think sometimes when I, that struggle comes of like who God is, I, I don't really remember where I read this, but I read this and it sticks with me. That Jesus did not come to change the mind of God about humanity. That Jesus came to change the mind of humanity about God. And I want to try to, in the next little bit here, just try to pull some of this together and and maybe give us some direction here. All of this that I'm talking about, you know, it comes to us, again, it's, it, it's a revelation from God what, what, what the true wisdom is and, and what to do. And it all comes through the gospel of Jesus. That's how it comes to us. And that's our invitation into his kingdom, into his way of living, into his way of being, and into his way of entering into suffering that we go through, but also that others go through that we're called to. So he invites all of us to be his people. And that invitation includes being on mission with him. And it, that mission is a mission that is in the here and now. It's, it's here and now in this broken world. And it's, it's about disciples making disciples, about teaching each other to do everything that, that Jesus has commanded. And if we're teaching, that also means we're learning. And so it's also about learning to do everything that he has told us. 
And again, a few weeks ago, Josh, in his sermon about suffering, he said, suffering is a part of life in our broken world. So it's, it's the given. That's, there's no question about that part. It's our response to suffering. That, that's the question and, and, and what we're trying to lead towards here. And our response is, is, is that fear of the Lord. It is to trust Jesus. And even beyond that, it's to respond to his call on our life to join him in, in the suffering we encounter, to be who we are called to be. And to do that, it, it requires wisdom, that capital W, wisdom. Because really, I mean, just looking across the room, you know, every person is very precious and very unique. And every circumstance that we come across with each of these precious and unique people is different. So I want to kind of remind us about the, the little wisdom. It starts with fear of the Lord. And again, I want you to hear trusting God, trusting the Lord. It ends with fear of the Lord, with trusting God. And as Job twenty eight twenty eight tells us, fear of the Lord is an act of wisdom, little case W wisdom, that we can do that opens up a path to the wisdom, the capital W wisdom. It opens a path to Jesus, who is the Messiah, who is the Son of God, and who, according to 1 Corinthians one twenty four, is the wisdom and power of God. And that's the capital W wisdom. All right. I want to read one more scripture, and it's in 1 Corinthians one thirty through 31. And just as I read it, just think about what, what I've said about what wisdom is, both the little W and the big W, and what our response is to suffering when we encounter it is, is about trusting God. And, and, and here are some of the reasons we can. And because of him, and the him here is, is God, so let me start over. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So I hope what you can receive here is, again, when we encounter that suffering, we go straight to the why. We want to know why. And the you know, first half of the book of Job, Job is, is, is wanting to know why. His friends are trying to tell him why, but they're wrong. And he's just wanting God to show up and God to basically give an account to, to him, to Job, about why he is suffering. And then when God finally does show up, he praises Job for, for asking. He praises Job for turning to him. He praises Job for, for crying out, but he doesn't answer why. He goes on to show Job his, this, this whole creation, everything that he's created, how he's done it, what he's done. He even offers to Job a chance. Here, you can take the reins for a day and do what you want to do to make it right. And, and at this point, Job realizes that he's not built for that. He can't do that. And it just puts him, again, it holds him in that place of humility. And, and he acknowledges his trust in the Lord. And that is where we, we, we just need to be. And when we think of ourselves and, and then we think of the ones, you know, the others who we love, we don't, we don't want suffering. We don't seek suffering. But we have to be ready to, to, to engage and to love those who are suffering. 
And that's part of our calling as followers of Jesus. So I'm kind of at the end here. And and I I just want to read verse 28 through 28 to you one more time. And then we will kind of close up from there. And he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. And again, remember, this fear of the Lord is trusting God. And that fear of the Lord, the lowercase w, is just setting us on the path to the uppercase w, leading us to Jesus. And as we experience him in in, in suffering, or as we bring Jesus to others suffering, then they're going to experience him too. Okay, so as the band comes up, I just want to kind of finish wrapping up. And we're going to respond this week just like we do every week. And we're going to respond in song and praise. We're going to respond in in giving at the stations. We're going to respond in prayer. And it might be a prayer just like Job where you want to cry out why. The stairs are always open for that, open for prayer. We're also going to respond with the bread and the cup. We're going to, in, in our communion, you'll come down, you'll, you'll take the bread, you'll dip it in the cup, and then you'll take it as the, the words spoken over you, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you. Let me pray for us before we start that. Father, you're good and beautiful. You are wise and merciful. Father, help us to be the people you have called us to be. A people who fear the Lord. A people who trust you. Help us to be a people who do not shy away from the suffering we encounter in this world. This world that's broken by sin and death. Help us to be a people who move towards suffering. Not seeking to suffer in and of itself, Father, but seeking to join Jesus in loving and standing with those who are suffering. We know this is possible because your Son, our Savior, Jesus, has conquered sin and death. Father, help us to do this. We can't do it on our own, so help us to do this in and by the power of your Spirit that dwells in us. Father, we love you, and we're just so grateful for you that you don't leave us alone. We love you, Father.